Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. How are you today? Okay, so uh, as I mentioned earlier, today's uh, session is Ask Me Anything. <coughs> so who want to get the ball rolling and start asking uh, Dharma questions? Let me see. Waysuck is just around town, so good afternoon. Uh, I won't be able to uh, like greet everybody no, uh, individually. <laughs> yeah, but I hope that you all can uh, uh, participate in the in the session uh, by sharing your thoughts or questions you may have. Mm. Ah, Li Hui, yes. So she has a question. Uh, good afternoon, I have a question. Is the Buddha's teaching useful for my survival in a capitalist world where everyone is out to guard their own interests? Thank you. Mm. Very good question. Is it uh, useful? <coughs> well, um, I think I like to think that it it would be in some uh, aspect. Yeah, uh, I think in many aspects actually. So. <coughs> uh, I I like to share this part about my work life um, so and and it's a very interesting uh, experience yeah you know the the Buddhist teaching on no self yeah um, when we think about the corporate world we tend to think about um, the teaching on non-greed you know non-attachment and we we seem to see a dichotomy like you either be a good practicing Buddhist or else you or you choose to be successful in, a in your career I think there are many people who are successful in their career and they uh, they are practicing Buddhists yeah. the, and here I'm not I, I wouldn't be talking about like oh you know, it depends on what you, how you define success. Although that's one angle that is quite common and popular about how uh, whether you define career uh, like material success as the measurement of uh, your success. <coughs> yeah. So he, so for this discussion, this part, um, I want to just look at like uh, when we say when Li Hui asks. Uh, survival in a capitalist world so it's nothing to do with the the reframing of the question statement yeah it's not about saying oh you know let's look at spiritual success no no let's just purely talk about being successful in the corporate world okay so um, I, there, there are so many things to talk about so I'm going to just touch on one area 
okay and it's on the teaching of no self <laughs> yeah the teaching on no self uh, seems to be a no-brainer right like Sifu you just answered um, your own question by saying to focus on no self yeah because part of the question is where everyone is out to guard their own interests so if everybody is guarding their own interests and we we practice no self then we are not guarding our own interests that means we lose out uh, everybody will get interest we don't get interest or so it seems uh, my own experience let me just first say uh, my own experience in terms of uh, how I, I usually work yeah uh, I think I think my peers uh, at work last time would would probably not describe me as being docile at work <laughs> they probably won't describe me as being meek at work uh, being a pushover at work, no. Uh, I'm a person who would um, go after projects, go after what I think is uh, the right way of doing things. Yeah. So in a way, that is not very no self. Huh? <laughs> and then um, at some point, <coughs> there was one one time where um, I was assigned uh, a certain project. Yeah, and so usually when we are assigned projects, we, or rather when we are given a, a list of projects, we usually try to go for the tougher one, the more visible one. Yeah, I don't know how other people work, but that's how our our how we work in consulting. We go for the tougher ones. We we because the tougher projects give us a chance to try newer things out, give us a chance to. To, to shine yeah uh, challenges where if you can do if you can overcome technical challenges you can come out with an infrastructure or a uh, an architecture that others cannot think of in a in a short time that people cannot even fathom the problem statement then you win right yeah so fast forward to a point where I at that point in time I decided to well ordain yeah, so it's a couple of months, about half a year, yeah, about five to six months before I finally leave the company. So at that point in time, I decided I've already set my mind on ordaining. Um, and before we think that, oh, in that case, at that point in time, you just don't care. No, no, it's not that I don't care. It's that I care in a different way. <coughs> uh, I, I still care for the project but I care in a different way. I stop caring about my own interests in a way. Uh, but it produced some very interesting results. Let me share. So the first thing is assignment of projects. So my boss called me, told me that there's going to be this project with uh, the Thai Telco EIS. It was way back then. Uh, I don't know why they are still around, uh, but it was an interesting project. So before we even started, went for the the, the the briefing meeting. So I was told that there'll be another guy going. Yeah. And then, but when we when we met up for the meeting, in the end there were three of us. Yeah. In there we have three person. And I was like, okay, I, I didn't think much about it. 
So my my boss did a briefing, gave us the the lowdown on it, and then he told us that uh, one of the lead guy is going to go because he's the Bistop champion. Uh, yeah, Shu Heng. <laughs> yeah, I remember the names, but I'm not sure whether you know. Uh, I think it should be okay. The 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 whole the whole discussion. There's nothing negative about it. So Shu Heng was the Bistop champion in the in the. In the sub, so he's going, and then between me and the other guy, so my boss looked at me and asked me like, so, uh, what do you think? Um, so I said, well, I'm okay either way. If if uh, if you think that I'm suitable, I'll be happy to go. Yeah, I'll do my best. But if you think that um, the other guy, Derek, whether he, if he's suitable, then then I'll stay, and I'll be happy to to provide. Um, support, yeah, and I I said it genuinely. I I at that point in time, it, it's it's so liberating, you know, because I like you must know that that was so not me, because before that, I'll be like all out convincing my boss that you know I'm the man, you know I'm the guy, you know you can depend on. Yeah, send me now. Like you should have sent me yesterday. Not not talk about it today. I should be there now. I should be, you know, getting it out. By that point in time, uh, in my mind, it's not so much that I'm not interested in the work because I'm going to become a monk, but it's more that I don't see a need to, to have me, being the person doing it anymore. Yeah, and I'm even willing to play second fiddle. I'm willing to play support. Yeah, and I basically told them that I'll stay back. I have the material, and I will, you know, like I'm just a phone call or a, an email away. I will just provide support from back in Singapore, which is what we do sometimes. We have teams going going out, and then the rest who are um, between engagements or something will help, right? So, so then he's like. He, Mm, I think he may have been <laughs> surprised and then he said okay then uh, I'll keep you posted so I said okay if there's nothing I will I will be outside so I went out and then later that evening I got a phone call from the other guy who is supposed to go yeah and then he called me and he said that oh change our plan I was like oh what happened and then he said oh boss after that changed his mind he decided to send you I was like huh what's going on <laughs> so so I I don't know what happened actually, yeah, uh, maybe he really changed his mind. Was it a test? I don't know, yeah. Uh, but in the end we went, and that was not the end because when we went over, and then we were working on the project. It was supposed to, uh, we we arrived and then um, we had a meeting with the <coughs> with our partners, with our local sub partners, uh, and then with EIS and. We were discussing um, the the proof of concept, yeah. Uh, then, in the process of discussion, again, I remember very clearly. Just maybe one or two months back, a few months back, on a separate project, <coughs> I was with a senior consultant. We were on site. Uh, I was actually the point man, and he was um, he was uh, with me on the project. And I was like bulldozing everything my way, my way, my way. I mean, it, you feel very powerful. You feel in charge. You feel in control. You know. And <clears throat> if you think about it, a lot of 
what we do, not just in the corporate world, a lot of what we do in life is all about that, getting things done our way. Of course, sometimes our way is the right way, but do we want things to be done our way because we know it's the right way or because it is the right it is our way so we think it's right is it right by itself it is is it the best way by itself uh, and it happened to be our way or is it that because it's our way so we think of it as must be the best way so for me um, when I was there discussing with my Colleague, after the after the kickoff meeting and having the you know strategy plan, then uh, we we break break down into our uh, different teams and me and my colleague we started to you know brainstorm on the on how to come up with the POC because we we literally have like one or two days to come up with a proof of concept. <laughs> it's crazy. Like now I think back, it's like we, we are nuts. <laughs> we go in. Like first morning or afternoon, we have a meeting. That, that night, have another meeting. Like one or two days later, we have a POC. Like not not one or two weeks. Like within that one or two days, we come up with a proof of concept. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was the the, the 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 that one or two days was more like a um, mock up sort of. Yeah. And, and after we clear that, then we must do the actual POC. So it was quite crazy. And as we were having discussion, uh, so my, 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 my colleague, Shu Heng, he, he, uh, he shared his point, then I shared my point. And I was thinking through, and then something clicked in me. And I thought, you know what? I think, I think yours can actually work. Yeah, why don't we go with yours? Yeah. And I may be overreading things, but I, I think he 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 may have uh, been a bit taken aback. It's like, you know, because not because he was suspicious or anything, but I think he was just not used to me simply agreeing to go with his way. <laughs> yeah, that's how aggressive I was at work last time. Uh, not a very typical Buddhist like Amitofo, you know. <laughs> I'm quite an atypical Buddhist. I mean that that's the fact. I can't I can't help it. But so yeah, um, I I literally just told him, you know, you know what? Let's just go with your way. Yeah. And the thing is, the, to give you some context, um, I think most people in the corporate world would know that if you're in a project and there, and there's two person and there's no clear um, lead in the project, then everybody want to implement it their way because then the credit goes to them, right? And understandable. Yeah, I mean, like, while while I I look at it differently since then, uh, I mean, from that point onward, I just look at it quite differently. Uh, but I, I can understand why people would want to go things my way. Yeah, because if you're gonna do the job anyway, why don't you get the credit, right? Especially if the if if the differences is not so significant. But at that point in time, I was like, okay. If technically both both approaches can work, so why should I have to insist on doing it my way? And and so the meeting was really short. <laughs> yeah. And he looked a bit surprised. The important thing is because um, because I genuinely uh, agreed and saw that 
his weekend at work. After that, I was uh, doing what I can to help him, uh, to help his approach work. And this is where politicking at work come in, isn't it? Because nobody want to lose. Or rather, everybody want to win their way. And so what happened is that I, I, I think many times meetings are longer than they need to. Yeah, <laughs> People are just always like, first of all, not listening to each other. You know, like you, you say your points and then I just say my points and I never really listen to your points or as I'm listening, as we are listening to other people's point, each, each party, each stakeholder is just trying to gun down the other side. You know, so we end up spending a lot of time going round and round in circles, trying to prove that their way is the best and not trying to find out which is the best way. You see the difference? When we are so preoccupied with self-interest, we end up wasting time. Put it bluntly, we are wasting time. <laughs> we are wasting so much time trying to prove that our way, our point of view is correct. Then to find, to really sit down and honestly look at it and say, which way is the best way? Because sometimes all are okay. If the if the difference is just marginal, you know, marginal gain to to take this approach or that approach, then you know it's okay. <laughs> why why insist that it must be one of the way, or for that matter, our way? So that, uh, to me, that's the one of the first benefit. If we can take the self of the of the equation, you know, then we truly teamwork. Like you think about how many of those team building HR, uh, like those those training, right? And many times people go for those training, just go for the rah rah. And, and I I must say I'm one of those crazy guys who actually believe in it. Uh, but I, I know for a fact that many people go go through all those team building, whatever. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm a cynical person, uh, but I think there are a significant number of people who don't believe in it. Because maybe they start off like me, believing in it, but then when they really try to teamwork, people don't, don't teamwork. So we end up with, with the, what they call it, the prisoner's dilemma. Do we want to cooperate or do we want to just keep on sabotaging each other. Yeah. I mean, all those efforts to get people to work together, right? It's about this. It's about no self. It's about focusing on the larger interest to look at it and say, instead of just trying to prove that your way is best, try to find really the best way. That's teamwork, isn't it? Yeah. So for me, it was such a liberating moment because I'm, I'm freed. I'm not fully awakened, but even at that point in time, I'm freed from having to argue and, and debate with people just to get things my way, even if it's with one colleague. And it was so liberating. Now initially, uh, I think there were probably a bit of like skepticism, but over the next few days as we work on it, uh, there was a deeper sense of trust that the other person can truly trust us and once that trust is established the whole dynamics is so different because you see the other person really also focusing just on getting the things done and not trying to guard against each other you know yeah and i i feel that 
that was so beautiful I wish I discovered that earlier and not just towards the end of my working career now then the, 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 the most crazy thing is after that when we cleared the initial presentation and they decided okay AIS bought, bought in and they're like okay I think let's do it and the craziest thing was the the local the, our our uh, not our partner and uh, yeah our partner and the uh, other team they decided to call me in I was like what <laughs> no he's the he's the champion and it, that idea was actually his so I don't know how things work out man it's so crazy yeah but of course um, in a couple of months time after that I left and become a monk <laughs> now of course we, we can always say that well you kind of just you know establish a bitshit and then just left them to their devices uh, I think even if I had stayed on uh, things would be different yeah different between fighting with each other versus working with one another yeah and I think it um, perhaps there's a there's a there's a space for us to work with one another yeah the trouble is you know it, it boils down to that that uh, prisoner's dilemma that model where someone has to take the first step to trust you know uh, but of course the question is if the trust is not reciprocated yeah when you when you take that first step and the other person repeatedly just you know just have the cake and eat it so then what do you do do you then switch back to the fight with each other are you okay for me I, 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 I like to think that um, we need more people to try yeah and um, while I tried this right at the end of my career uh, before that from my time in uh, for my industry attachment uh, the internship in university all the way to R&D and then consulting my work ethos was always if I finish my work I go to my boss update him immediately I don't wait for him to chase me my boss almost never had to chase me except for one or two projects where I was really new and I kind of <laughs> but when I'm on the game I chase my boss I chase my boss uh, for an update of whether the, the, the code is okay I chase my boss to to try new things so I, 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 I'm not a person who you know like talking about self-interest right the whole idea that you cannot finish work and uh, perhaps you know if you finish work you should just sit around twiddle your thumbs don't spoil market and uh, sit back relax and enjoy the show and when the boss is around you act busy uh, and then when the boss finally chase you ask for one or two more days and then later you deliver to, to, to show that there's value you know that it's not easy uh, I, I don't know whether people still do that but um, I, I think in the corporate world people do do that uh, and I was 
uh, in some ways advised to do that also but I, I, I just decided that would be so boring <laughs> like I cannot imagine just sitting around the whole day without anything to do so whenever I finish my project or my module and uh, uh, my, my, my team lead would ask me back in R&D would be asking me to wait for the rest to do integration yeah, but I'll go back to my cubicle and I'm like thinking, hmm, what else can I do? Then I'll be looking at technical articles and, and I'm like, ah, okay. ETL, ah, active templates, library. Ah, maybe I should try that. Ah, multi-threading. <laughs> and I'm like going to my boss and saying like, hey, you know, um, can I check out a quote? And he'd be like, I thought you just check in and you're done. I'm like, well, I was thinking maybe I can rewrite that module to be multi-threaded. <laughs> you look at me with a <laughs> with a crazy like. And why do you need to do that? I'm like, well, you know, multi-threading, then things will be faster. You know, for the for the media library, and then he's like, and how much time will you shave? A couple of seconds. <laughs> it's like. Like usually at work, bosses have to like squeeze their employee to get them to do work. Just their work. And then they got to like really cajole them, bribe them, you know, uh, reward them to get up to do more work. For me, it was a very different relationship. For me, my boss had to rein me in to stop me from doing too much work. Yeah. And I would just go back to him like every one or two days to, to submit new new changes that is not part of <laughs> his plan. <laughs> like I finish the base code and then I'll just extend it, extend it, extend it with all kinds of new things. Until one day, one day I went to my boss and I said, uh, can I check out my code? And he looked at me, no. And I'm like, uh, I, I, I said, no, your code is perfect. You, are, you, you don't need to do any more things. I don't want to see you for the next three days. I've been telling students this, this funny story. Yeah, I remember he, he told me, I don't want to see you for the next few days. Go to the pantry, go to the canteen, go and eat. Read newspaper, sleep, play games, whatever you do, don't come and disturb me. <laughs> yeah, and, and since then, uh, the working relationship was just amazing. Because once again, I established trust with him. Uh, he knows that if I say that something can be done, he knows that he can trust me to do it. And if I tell him I need more time, he knows that I really need more time. That I'm not just trying to Skype, I'm not just trying to pull a fast one. He knows that he can trust my words. And at the same time, um, because of that, um, I also learned something else. Bosses, <coughs> before they go give you work, they need to prepare the work. Bosses cannot just throw you things, you know. They need to prepare the work, and then they need to assign the work. So they need to do task assignment because unless it's a one-to-one, -one, your boss and you. But many times it's one boss with many staff, right? So he need to pre prepare multiple sets of tasks and then do assignments to the right person and while you are doing your work, he need to keep tabs. He need to monitor progress and find out whether you guys need more resources, yada yada. 
and when you finish, they need to check through your work. <laughs> they cannot just throw it over the wall, you know. Yeah, so I came to the point where my bosses ran out of things for me to do. Yeah, it was a, a, a most happy uh, a situation. So it became a virtuous cycle. Instead of bosses chasing me and me trying to hide from bosses, uh, it was me chasing bosses. And I, I'm sure many of you experienced that, that if you manage to get into this groove, you are in charge of your time. Because then the boss trusts you to manage your time. And what happened is that because I'm ahead of schedule, I have time between the project and integration testing. So I had time to research and find out more about new ways to code. And that enabled me to be even more efficient for the next project. So that by the time the next project come, I have like tons of ideas like just waiting to, to come out, you know. Yeah, in fact, while I was in R&D, I had time to write a, a few different pet programs of my own. Yeah. And so this is, these, are, these are different angles of what I think uh, being a Buddhist, applying the Buddha's teaching, doesn't mean that you have to uh, become either, you know, either you go wholesale one way or the other. Like what I just described about um, about work, the attitude. Um, it's about cherishing our precious human life, isn't it? That in eight hours, if you spend four hours, or as no, nobody work eight hours these days. Ten hours, ten or more hours. Let's say ten hours, and you do four tasks. Your boss give you four tasks, and let's say you finish it. Your boss gave you maybe two days or three days, you know, with some buffer. But somehow you manage to finish it in half a day. Four, four hours time, five hours time you finish it. So what are you going to do? Sit around, twiddle your thumbs. You must know that that is your life that you are using up. Never think you are using up your company's time for your own gain by sitting around. It is your life, your human life. It is not as though when you go to work, you are using your boss' life, you know. Your boss is using his life to be at work. You are using your life to be at work. So if you sit around at work, you are sitting your life away. And how many of us are sitting literally meditating? So my attitude is, if I'm given some task, I finish it, I want to make full use of my time there. Yeah, give me more things to do. I can learn more. I want to try more things. Yeah. And if you think about it from the Buddhist point of view, work is about helping people. You know? Yeah. Work is always about helping people. Yes, there's the there's the compensation part, but it's about helping people solve their problems, transforming their problems into other problems until some point where one person can actually solve it. Yeah. So it's about your mindset. Do you want to go to work just to work for X hours to get Y dollars? Or do you want to go to work for X hours, learn Z number of things, and help Y number of people, and happen to get paid? <laughs> That's my attitude. Yeah. 
Okay, I think I shall move on to other questions. If you have more thoughts about this, you can post more things, okay? Mm. Next, Rosie. Rosie asks, when we do marriage, how do we how to make the dedication and it was said with a vow? Okay, so when we do married, I presume you mean like you do something meritorious. Yeah. Uh, how to make the dedication? How do you make the dedication? Well, um, you can recite the standard verses like Yuan Xiao San Zhang Zhu Fan Dao and so on. Or you can just bring to mind like and, and just say with your own words, with this wholesome deed that I've done, um, how do you want to make use of it? If you imagine it to be a magic box, okay? If you imagine it to be like a present box and you are going to get some gift inside, what do you want to do with this gift? If you can assign the outcome, what is the outcome you want to assign it to? Yeah, so you can do that. And on the question of merit, don't think that merit must be something humongous you come come up with the solution to coronavirus i mean if you can please do that now <laughs> okay but holding the door you know yeah and just asking someone like are you okay that is meritorious as the buddha said in the dhammapada do not think little of small good little by little is a pot filled up yeah and now <laughs> yeah, now if you just wear your mask, stay at home, I think that that is being compassionate to others. Huh? Uh, Wilson asks, is there an, a Dharma teaching on courage? <coughs> uh, e- well, yes, there are a lot of teachings on courage. Yeah. Uh, there is this phrase called uh, abaya, fearlessness. Yeah, it's somewhat linked, somewhat linked. Yeah, in the Buddha, all the uh, like images or the drawings and carvings, we have this expression. Yeah, the the palm upright. Yeah, uh, and it symbolizes fearlessness. Yeah. Uh, is somewhat linked to courage, but perhaps not so much the same. Yeah. Uh, courage. Hmm, let me see. Any teachings on courage? Is there any particular thing you'd like to know, Wilson, about courage? Maybe you can share more, give me some context, then I can maybe touch on it. Yeah. Sharing Hing says good afternoon. Good afternoon back. Jean asks. Uh, is this two the same? Uh, well, the no, kong is not this thing. Yeah, let me write it out for you. Uh, the yuan and the yuan is uh, okay. I'm not sure whether that's actually the the Jian but the Sing is definitely not not correct. Um, I'm gonna just write this out um, in Chinese. The Yuan Qi Yu, the Yuan is Yin Yuan, the Yuan is Yuan Lai, the Yuan. Yuan Qi Yu. And the Zi Xing Kong is Zi Xing. 
空。Yeah, this 自信 is the nature, self nature. Okay, so um, when you write 反文呃文字性 I don't know whether you copy correctly, but the the thing that you use is faith. Yeah, so um, this thing is faith, whereas this thing in the in the in the 自信空的 thing, this is actually uh, nature. Yeah. Oh, so they are slightly different, uh, but because you got the Yuan Qi Yu Zi Xin Kong, the the words is wrong. So I'm not sure whether the other one is correct because uh, personally I'm not really into the Leng Yan Xin. Yeah. So if you can give me the exact quote, uh, provided your quote is correct, uh, we can discuss. Okay. But if not, just by the quote you have. The Yuan Qi Yu Zi Xin Kong itself, you got it wrong. So the meaning is quite different. Oh. Okay, and uh, let me see what else. Yeah. So Jin, I replied to you. Uh, please let me know if you have more things to add on that. Bao uh, Lan, good afternoon. Yuan Qi Yu Zi Xin Kong. Yes, Esther, that's correct. How may I may I know how to deal with every unrestrained defilement? Oh, this question is good, but it's too open-ended because to deal with every unrestrained defilement, every then. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, let me focus on the unrestrained part first. So defilements by nature is unrestrained, and so cultivation is about restraining ourselves. Yeah. So there's no such a thing as restrained defilements. Defilements by nature is always unrestrained, and hence the cultivation is about restraining them. Yeah, uh, but depending on the type of defilements, because when you say every type of de every defilement, right, then it's a bit too open-ended. Yeah. Uh, so depending on what kind of defilements, <coughs> there will be different approaches. Oh. Or perhaps I can answer by saying that one of the first thing to do, uh, as far as defilements are concerned, uh, is to recognize that defilements are harmful to ourselves. Yeah. So one of the exercises that I sometimes share with students is when you are angry, uh, don't be too quick to try to remove the anger. Doesn't mean to succumb to the anger and to act on the anger as well, Noah, but to go and observe what the anger is doing to us. Because until we see clearly the harm that anger is doing to us, not the other person, uh, anger itself, what anger is doing to us, how anger affects us both physiologically, emotionally, and cognitively, that when we are angry, Physically, uh, we are we have less control of our body. Sometimes, if you are angry enough, your body can tr tremor. You know, your speech becomes a bit slurred. Uh, pronunciation go off. 
our pitch goes up, yeah, our breathing, because the chest tighten, yeah, and of course it depends on individuals, yeah. Some people when they're angry they become cold, meticulous and even more articulate. <laughs> but uh, so individuals have to go and observe what anger do to them. Uh, but even more importantly is anger clouds our judgment. Yeah. We don't have to take Buddha's word for it. The Buddha described anger like um, <clears throat> that the, the agitated mind is like a pond where there are different water lilies, different plants and so on and so forth, rock stones. But when the mud when the mud is stirred up, yeah, the water is agitated. And you look through, you cannot see what is inside. But if you let the the, the dust the, the sand and the water settle down, then the whole pond becomes clear. Whatever is inside becomes clear. <coughs> so in the same way if we if we don't realize that anger does this to us and we start to look at things through angry lens then it's very difficult to, for us to see clearly and we may make the wrong judgment call and take the wrong actions yeah so this is just one example the same goes for greed goes for delusion so first thing uh, recognize the harm that our defilements do to us uh, recognize how you can actually um, uh, or how to identify defilements because many times defilements arise we are not aware yeah then we can talk about working on them and depending on what kind of defilements we may have slightly different approaches okay I uh, hope that give you a, a starting point yeah uh, perhaps what just one last thing to add is don't be too hard on yourself if there are defilements but also don't uh, condone your defilements yeah. uh, recognizing that there's defilements in us uh, is to see that well don't set yourself up for failure if you expect after learning Dharma to become like the Buddha immediately then of course you're going to fail and one or two more times and then you get disheartened and you just give up doesn't help anybody but to have a realistic expectation of ourselves that we are unenlightened so once in a while maybe defilements may stir but not to take that as an excuse that it's okay but to have more self-awareness that this is a problem so that we are mentally prepared yeah to work on it yeah so it's like readiness awareness you know yeah to know clearly where you are you know, then you can work on it <laughs> Alvin Chan, you are the man. <laughs> okay, Li Hua, good afternoon. Refer to 12 links of dependent origination. Mental formation that influences uh, consciousness can be explained as past, as karma and past karma related. Or I presume that is the question. Well, uh, when we look at the 12 links of dependent origination we and look at the original text, it the term that they use is uh, that mental formation, uh, Wu Ming Yuan Xing Xing Yuan that mental formations conditions consciousness. That with mental conditions as a condition, uh, mental formations as a condition, then consciousness arises. Uh, so it's not that mental formation influences it, but it conditions it. 
it is a condition for consciousness to arise. Yeah. So uh, can be explained as to karma and past karma. Uh, yes, the mental volition or mental formation is oftentimes looked upon as the karma in the past. Yeah. Usually seen in that way. Uh, but you must know that it's it's not as though karma is always in the past. Huh? Karma is just action. So, like in present life, karma happens also. So, when we say, when we say that uh, the ignorance, then uh, mental formations or mental volition, uh, that these two factors are for the past life, it doesn't mean that these two only happen in the past life. It just means that if you look at the sequence in terms of a progression from past to the present to the future, then it's in the past life. But this same two factors is happening in this life, conditioning future life. Yeah, And in future, it will arise as well uh, until we attain enlightenment and in turn condition yet future lives. Oh. Uh, I hope that becomes clear. I, I have a rather comprehensive chart it's, a, it's not just three life but multiple ones to show how the progression yeah uh, there's a heart sutra coming up a bit of a shameless plug here so uh, do sign up let me just put up the link here those who have not signed up you all can sign up I'll be covering that in the Heart Sutra as well. Yep. So let me see, where was I? Um, <clears throat> okay, so Lei Hua's first question answered. GF Chang Amitofo. Uh, okay. Ping Fa Amitofo, Yi Hao Amitofo. Okay, Popo says, Sifu, you saw the Zensi, Itzen, Jensi, Wosen, and the Ho Lizi Amitofo. Yeah, in when you are Rensensing and Sui, Tai Ganje, Itzen Jensi Amitofo. Can this become? Uh, can this because come from our own perception and ego? If we understand how our mind works, it can help us to be happy and work with others. Definitely, definitely, you are right. Uh, oftentimes, it's our perception and pers and our ego. I mean, we are not enlightened, so ego is there. The question is, how do we work around this ego? How can we tame this ego gradually? Not instantly. If you if you expect yourself, learn a few classes, read a few books, meditate a few hours, then boom, you know, immediately tame your ego, then let me assure you, you are setting yourself up for failure. And then what will happen is that you get so pumped up after a few talks and maybe a couple of retreats and then you're like, wow, chong And then you realize it doesn't work. And then you, you get disheartened, disappointed and just go all the way rock bottom. And then go rock bottom for a while and then you feel, you know, self-deluded, self, deluded, self uh, you, you are self delusion you have self delusion or you are uh what you call that what is the word 
like you are you are totally utterly disappointed with yourself and everything wallow in self-pity you know uh, binge yourself <laughs> and then after a while you're like oh this is too much you must you know you must pick yourself up and then you're going to listen to some dhamma talk and then you're like wow oh, pump up again and then you're like Chama! and then boom you fail you manage to, to to be good to do everything right for a few days and then you fail and then you get disheartened again yeah uh, it's not sustainable so instead uh, know that know where you are maybe you're enlightened maybe you're not maybe you're not that enlightened yeah maybe you're not so kind maybe you're not so patient be real to yourself but it doesn't mean to condone yourself also okay uh, but to work on where work from where you are and then you know as they say baby steps yeah to me that's more sustainable then you won't get disappointed and burn out uh, hello for those who have just come online uh, yes middle path absolutely from uh, Chloe Yueling Yue uh, so Rosie f adds further something like Dana helped but I didn't do any dedication so the thing about dedication is very interesting like there are so many things we do in life but we never we never like put our palms after we hold the leaf door, we, we open the door for people, we never immediately like We never do that, right? So what happened to all these merits? Huh? Have you all thought about it? When you kill at the train station, at the bus, and you help this old lady up or the, or the old uncle up, that's merit, right? Then, did you do dedication? If you didn't, then what happened to all these merits? Mm. Actually, the truth is, um, the, the, the dedication that we do is the formal one that we do. But um, what it means is we are planting seeds, we are planting aspirations uh, with our mental uh, determination. But it doesn't mean that besides that there's no dedication because every day when we look at things when we interact with people through our eyes nose tongue body and we think about the past future and present with our mind there are things that we delight in there are things that draws us and we may have a very subtle fluttering in our mind thinking as we see this post on facebook someone going for some puja someone who do who, who did some retreat and you look at it and say wow that's nice that's a dedication the same goes dedication is not just about spiritual things you know when you see someone post an lv bag uh, of whatever bag and you're like whoa like uh, so nice uh, that's that's a form of dedication yeah when you see your friends or you see just some random advertisement and you, your heart just move that beat to that beat that your heart move that bit of dedication is planted yeah you know the jian sui xi yeah you see something you delight yeah you're planting a bit of inclination in that direction the question is if we if we can if we can uh, have a whiteboard and put all this 
like each time you have this small bit of thoughts like hey that's nice and then you write a post-it note yeah and then you paste it up and when it's a wow i really want to have it and you keep on thinking about it each time you think one more one more one more and at the end of the day how many of this will be to help people how many of this will be to go after some worldly gratification how many of it will be for spiritual cultivation how many of it will be out of kindness how many of it will be filled with anger mm. yeah, all, all, all this is our mental you know determination yeah so that's why in buddhism we encourage people to do dedication regularly and it is to help us um, direct our mind you know direct our mind in the wholesome positive skillful fruitful direction yeah because otherwise we are we are just going all over the place most of the time mm. yeah so okay so I, I hope that answers your question so like if you do a dana or you do some help um, after that you don't have to sit down there and then chant for half an hour <laughs> yeah you can just have a thought like in this uh, whatever you want to de dedicate towards but as an example you help someone do something yeah before that you, you can have a thought yeah by doing this may this be for the welfare and benefit of this person and all beings and after that you just have the same thought yeah, very simple you don't have to have a long verse you know half an hour recitation doesn't have to go and light incense and all those things just in your mind just think may this be for this person's welfare and benefit and for all beings welfare and benefit mm. okay so will consciousness cease when one enlightened on the Dhamma uh, Ching Yam asked this question <laughs> So when the Buddha attained enlightenment, did was there any more consciousness? Was he conscious? Was he able to think? Was he able to discern what is right and wrong? Was he able to determine who has the mental faculty to understand Dharma or not? Uh, we should say yes, right? In which case then we cannot say consciousness has ceased. Yeah. Uh, so that's attaining enlightenment how about entering Paranibbana uh, that question the Buddha said that is a fruitless discussion <laughs> don't waste your time on the second part because second part is after after the Buddha has passed away into Paranibbana or wh whoever attained Arahanthood entered Paranibbana what happened after that uh, the Buddha's stand is that's fruitless. Why? Because discussing that uh, will very likely lead you in the wrong direction because the starting point is wrong. Because the starting premise it seems to be that the person should be defined by the consciousness. Yeah. So, uh, but the enlightened ones don't identify with that, and the consciousness is 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 part of this mental fabrication that arises due to conditions not so much a permanent entity that we call self 
Yeah, so if the starting premise of the question is flawed, then the whatever answer you get will actually draw the wrong conclusion. Yeah, and that's why in the Sutta, the Buddha oftentimes dismiss this question as irrelevant at best. Uh, and sometimes I also want to, <laughs> I sometimes I'm a bit naughty, uh, I also ask students like, so are you on the verge of attaining enlightenment? If not, then this question may not be so applicable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to put anybody down. Yeah, see, these kind of questions are interesting intellectual exercise. I'm more interested. I'm not saying that you have to or anybody have to be, but I'm more interested in uh, using the Dharma to to look at defilements and suffering because that's the purpose of the Dharma not as a academic intellectual exercise yeah okay uh, so Jin replied same thing um, so would you like to Jin would you like to give me the full quote because um, without the full quote uh, it's not easy for people to yeah I think it's better to put in a full quote. Uh, Pamela says, a very close person of mine passed away recently. Can you explain more about the 49 days after death on what is happening? According to the, to the commentaries, uh, to the teachings, after a person passed away, there are different cases of rebirth. So there are those who have committed heavy karma, uh, heavy wholesome karma, heavy, unwholesome karma. So either way, yeah, uh, the rebirth is spontaneous, very, very swiftly. Death comes, they get reborn to heavenly realms or to hell, yeah, or to the lower realms, very spontaneously. So that's for heavy karma. So barring heavy karma, then after that, uh, according to the, to the teachings, every seven days, there'll be a there'll be a what do you call that a precursor uh, precursor form uh, of what is the in a way most potential rebirth that will manifest and in these seven days if the person who has just passed away were to grasp onto it in other words connect with that karma then the person would take rebirth but the person has seven days and within these seven days if the person do not connect with it then that intermediary state what we call Zhong Sena, would cease yeah would cease and then a, a new intermediary stage would arise spontaneously connecting with another kind of rebirth yeah so this will repeat all the way under the seven cycle so altogether seven seven becomes seven, 49 days so um, what is unclear is whether <coughs> it is a hard number where die die 49 days you 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 miss that somehow you'll be reborn anyway uh, it's not clear from the text <coughs> uh, but it seems as though it's a statistical probability that latest okay longest it takes is 49 days yeah uh, and there are a, a few different clarification in text about how 
then some rebirth require parental uh, conditions so it takes a bit more time some may <coughs> not like spontaneous rebirth heavenly hell hungry ghosts some hungry ghosts yeah, some of the ghost realms require parents also and so uh, animal realms require human uh, require parents rather so uh, as long as the the conditions are right then they can take rebirth no? uh, the thing is what the Buddha observed is that the rebirth cycle don't depend on other people not on some higher authority to to decide where you go but rather depending on the person's karma yeah and when we say depend on the person's karma then it depends on what which of the karma ripen yeah and which is why there's prevalently uh, across the different traditions uh, this this focus on um, maintaining clarity of the mind such that we would connect with the wholesome karma uh, when we are passing on so case in point uh, in the Buddha's time there was this person who came to see the Buddha and asked the Buddha some questions and after that around lunchtime he was going to leave and then this thought arise in him he had this fear yeah, so this is related to Pamela's question okay? and he had this fear that if he were to leave at that point in time because the streets are busy there are a lot of different people with elephants, with cows, with horses horse carts and so on and so forth <coughs> he was concerned that if he were to go out at that point in time he might get knocked down by one of these vehicles and pass away and if he should pass away in this way then he may be reborn in a bad state so he raised this concern with the Buddha and the Buddha replied him saying that um, and asking him that if a tree were to be growing in a certain direction say like east direction and now suddenly someone were to chop it off will it fall in the east, eastern direction or the western direction and of course the king that or, or rather that person I can't remember whether it's a king I will check and maybe post the sutta later uh, that person basically said, of course you you know incline towards you drop you fall towards where it has been growing towards that direction. So the Buddha said yes indeed. And in the same way, you have been inclining towards wholesomeness throughout your life. So now even if you were to die prematurely, you your rebirth will incline towards the wholesomeness. You wouldn't just suddenly boom go go the other way. To me that gives us uh, a lot of confidence that. Uh, it's not simply the last moment, last moment, but the whole momentum of our life. That if our whole momentum of our life has been generally towards wholesomeness, then in a way it's linked to courage. Huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, Wilson's question on courage. Yeah, Buddhism provides courage or helps us to develop courage in a very different way. That we have courage facing death not because we think that we're we not going to die or that we that this way or that way that the Buddha is going to be there to you know protect us but the Buddha instead teach us how to prevent the causes of bad rebirth and hence we we have no fear we are courageous yeah the Buddha himself was questioned uh, uh, was asked once when he was in the forest and the, the king asked him like how do you do you, do you sleep well at night and he said yeah, yeah yeah pretty okay paraphrasing okay 
and the the king was surprised like how do you stay in the forest without any guards to protect you and be able to sleep at ease that you are you are you are okay whereas the king himself stay in the in the palace with guards and security and everything but he cannot sleep he he has fear yeah so in buddhism fearlessness or courage uh, stems from a different place it stems from inner strength and not outward strength it stems from not bullying people yeah it, it doesn't stem from there it stems from uh, this this clarity knowing that the things that um, the way things are is the way things are and once you accept and understand you see clearly that things are the way things are then there's no more fear of how they would turn out yeah so Buddhist angle of courage is quite interesting mm. so ah Weifen good to see you here uh, on the topic of no self it is easier to practice with colleagues or people that we are not so close with do you have any advice on how to practice how we can practice it with our close ones like spouse parents siblings persons we have more attachment with yes you are absolutely right uh, at the get-go most people may think that you know with colleagues is difficult but actually it's, it is easier with uh, our families and friends people with whom we are close with whom we are emotionally invested in it becomes tougher and precisely because of that uh, it is tougher because of our personal divestment in them that we are personally divested in them that we have vested interests that's the, that's the thing and why? because we consider them to be our somebody but of course they are somebody, right? so how? <clears throat> it's about changing our frame you know uh, there's this exercise again in the Heart Sutra <laughs> um, looking at our relationship with others yeah. we tend to look at others in terms of us but we fail to see that they are who they are depending on many other people many other conditions yeah. now um, before we go further and we have overshot time quite a bit uh, perhaps it's important to take note of one thing perhaps the difficulty in uh, applying the teaching on no self with people we are close to is the expectation, expectation we have of them that we expect them to respond to our change that because we change, they should change whereas with colleagues perhaps if they do, this, do it this way or that way we're not so bothered because we don't really expect them to, to change the way we want them to change and if, if it's anything to go by um, this is what I see in many relationships whether it's between siblings with parents or with spouse yeah. this expectation we have of others because they are our somebody yeah. we have to ask ourselves is our expectation calibrated with reality yeah. Yeah, because while we work on no self we have to also know that no self is not just about us it's also about them it means that we have no control over them also not just about us but over them also 
Yeah, because many times our conflict with people is about we wanting to subtly, unknowingly control them. Yeah. Because who doesn't want things to go away? Oh. Uh, this is a topic I want to uh, go into more. Perhaps we, next week we can look into it in more detail. Oh. So I'm going to just put a note here uh, to follow up next week. Yeah. Thanks for sharing this question. It's very good. So I'm going to just tag the rest to to highlight that we um, okay. I'm going to just read through some of the questions. Daphne Go says I'm very lazy. Sadu sadu sadu. Sifu is also very lazy. <laughs> to me, to recognize that you are lazy and to actually be able to say it, to, to to admit that you are lazy, I think that's the start. Yeah. A lot of people who don't recognize that are actually lazy, but they don't realize that. Yeah, so the re recognizing that you are lazy is a very important step towards practicing diligence in your practice. Okay, uh, I'm going to also pin this so that um, uh, I'm going to reply to this also uh, to follow up next week. Because we have uh, severely run short of time once more, uh, I have this not very good habit of overshooting time. I'm event organizer's uh, worst nightmare. <laughs> I should change, I should change. Yes, for the longest time. Uh, well, work and, uh, work and no self, a lot of people have uh, thoughts about it. Yeah. So I'm going to just uh, stop here. I'll come back to uh, comment if necessary on the, the rest uh, because uh, the next class is overdue. I'm supposed to start at 3.15. I'm going to end up having to start at 3.30 or so. Uh, appreciate all your questions and comments. I'm going to uh, either reply them or shelf it for next week. Okay, so keep a lookout. Next week we're going to revisit these questions. Because these are good questions, I want to address them. All right. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I uh, hope everybody is keeping well. It's wonderful to uh, stay connected. Yeah. I hope everybody can uh, uh, keep their sanity. Some students ask me, like, "Are you okay?" You know. For me, uh, well, monk's life is basically stay at home. You know whether it's a monastery or your own jingse or something. So the only difference is my classes have gone online. Yeah. Because other than that, before the COVID-19, before the circuit breaker, before the measures were in place, I don't really go out anyway. Yeah. I go out only to give classes. I go out when I'm invited to visit patients in hospital for memorial services or for lunch offering. Um, other than that, I don't go out. I, I just don't. Uh, so for me, it's pretty okay. But I hear from some students that they are uh, like it's starting to, you know, reach their threshold. Uh, if if this helps, to me, it's like meditation. When we think of one hour meditation, it feels like wow, one hour. But if you think about it, I like what one venerable told me, shared with me back in two thousand seven, and that's way before. 
this whole thing about one minute meditation. Yeah. He shared with me, he said that he heard of this, that if you can do one minute meditation, that's all you need to do. Just do one minute at a time. And I was like, and? And then he looked at me like, 60 minutes. One hour is just 60 times one minute. Just do it 60 times. And it just blow, blow me away. And I, I know it seems common sense, but that's the thing about perspective, you know. Oftentimes, we, we, our memory, our ability to link things has helped us develop as a civilization, as, as, a, as a species, you know. Um, and it's also what, help, what helps us to cultivate, isn't it? But sometimes, it also causes us to become overwhelmed. Because when you link up the, the, the future, yet to come 60 minutes, the 59 minutes that has not come, and because it has not come, and you go and link them all together, then it feels so much, you know. Because even for the one minute, the only thing you can experience is the current second. In fact, it's not even one second, it's the current moment. So if I can take what that venerable shared with me further, it's not even one minute, it's one breath. And that's why, you know, to me, I start to appreciate the Buddha's teaching about how when we appreciate impermanence, it's about the in and out breath. That our life is just the in and out breath. Not how many years, just the in and out breath. Because 80 years or 50 years, every moment is just an in and out breath. Nothing more, nothing less. So if you look at the COVID-19, the, the, the circuit breaker, yeah, it has been extended to, to by another four weeks to 1st of uh, June, one day at a time. You can't live four weeks at a time. <laughs> Just like you cannot have, have all the meals in your life all at once. One mouth at a time. Don't try to have two mouths at a time. You're, you're going to choke. Yeah, if it helps. Alright? So, keep calm. Meditate. Practice. Uh, and stay healthy. Stay safe. Take care. Yuan xiao san zhang zu fan lao. Yuan de zi hui zhen ming liao. Pu yuan zui zhang xi xiao chu. Shi shi chang xing pu sa dao. Amitabha. Chili.